The following is a fourth-hand production. Thousands of Americans claim they've had a terrifying UFO experience. Many such stories fall apart under scientific scrutiny. But this one impresses a lot of people. I'm sailing away. As we were leaving there, we saw a light coming through the trees, and uh, when we finally got down the road to where we could see the source of this light, we saw a UFO hovering near the road. All set out. All set out. A flying saucer came down and took your friend away to outer space. That's the truth, mister. That's exactly what happened. Is it? Why the heck aren't you speaking up for us? Why let this man talk to us like this? David, I will. It seems like you're not even trying to believe us. We all saw the thing. We all saw the guy get jabbed. And now, the Travis Walton incident on Hysteria 51. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Welcome to Hysteria 51. Come inside our secret hideaway as we talk conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through skeptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Hand and John Goforth. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that has not seen a fire in the sky, but routinely sees Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Mm-hmm. Hysteria 51. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. I am your captain, John Goforth. With me on this cruise to the stars is my co-captain, Brent. Burnt Almond's hand. See what takes pennies. Print. <laughs> Tonight we are talking about the alien abduction of Travis Walton. Have you ever been abducted by aliens? No, but this week, my robot locked me out of the house for six hours. Yeah, I told you. I told you the whole fucking time. Getting him an extension cord was a piss poor idea, but you felt sorry for the asshole. And I don't have to live with them. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And at least the new programming is working. I, I feel like had he had that extension cord prior to that upgrade you did, he would have just locked the doors with you in it and set it on fire. <laughs> solid chance at that. Speaking of the formerly homicidal robot, also with us is Conspiracy Bot. Word. Seabot, I know you haven't been around as long as we have, but in your short time on this earth, have you been abducted by aliens? Abducted isn't the right word. Halfway to Zeta Ridiculi Glaxon muttered something about ruining a podcast and they turned around and dropped me off back here in Chicago. Wait, so you're telling me that you've not only met and rode with aliens, but that they're aware of this podcast? Well, just for cage off of Hovneo. V. Was that before I met you? And Brent, did you, did you really create him? I mean, what's going on here? On that note, John, what are you drinking? You say it's a lexicon of libations. We call it a bulletin of booze. Either way, we're all getting pissed. Here's this week's Spirit Selections. 
Brent, tonight I am drinking a Red's Wicked Apple. Wicked just means more alcohol content for all you playing along at home. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, hold on, hold on. Wicked. <sighs> Is it Red's? It's two apples for every can that they make? That's a tall boy. You got like four apples in there. I thought that was like Musselman's. <laughs> apple, apple juice so- musclemans <laughs> whatever it's called i don't know <laughs> musclemans isn't that the last porno you watch if i remember right <laughs> how do you know what porns i'm watching or not watching? <laughs> i plead the fifth and i also plead to budweiser to send me free swag because i'm still drinking bud light once again once back, again baby. i'm, He's I'm back, back on, i'm back on the horse which happens to be a clydesdale Conspiracy about after last week, you are no longer allowed to drink straight aftershave. What are you drinking tonight? I'm still drinking aftershave, you cock knocker. I just cut it with my lord. <laughs> See, it's all in what you say, John. Teaching him something's like making a deal with the devil. Like, you gotta make sure exactly what you say. You gotta cross all your T's yeah. and dot all your I's. I yeah, get it. Yeah, your lowercase J's too, otherwise it doesn't count. All right, before we get into the abduction of Travis Walton, Brent, let's talk hysteria hype. Each week, we delve into our weird headspace, open up the drawer marked freaky sh**, and pull out a mysterious morsel you just have to try. It's time for Hysteria Hype. Real quick short one this week. Trailer came out that's got me pumped, and this trailer is a almost not the like, kind you live in. Almost, no, no, not the kind to live in. The kind you watch on for me, the internet. I don't know. Almost a shot for shot recreation of the original one from 1990. Stephen King's It. I saw something. A clown. Yeah, I saw him too. We all float down. If you haven't seen the original, do yourself a favor, watch it before this comes out. I, I think this is actually going to be a worthwhile Stephen King movie. A lot of his movies since the early days haven't been great other than his less haunty, scary, like, you know, Shawshank and, and the Green, Green Mile. Mile. As far as early 90s made-for-TV miniseries go, I really liked the original. No, that's what I'm saying. Watch it. It's absolutely – and it's like the sixth or seventh scariest movie starring John Ritter. <laughs> Come and knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. (laughs) Somehow this is just worse because he's dead. I don't know. I don't know why, but he's he's dead. (laughs) So I'm going to give it five out of five clown makeup tutorials this week because uh, i think that's going to be this year's hot halloween overdone bullshit last year it was everyone wanted to be harley quinn this year i think it's going to be it stephen king it was weird that you dressed up like sailor moon well i i was sailor uranus the year before i'm making it through the nah, whole got series. it got yeah. it you're, you're going canon on it <laughs> you know you know how it goes <laughs> so uh, yeah Two two thumbs up, four for gore, go see it. The trailer. The trailer, and then the movie when it comes out. All right. Watch enough. the trailer now. Watch the movie later. Brent, what are we talking about tonight? We got Travis Walton this week. The abduction case. They're a hugely popular. Everyone's probably heard of the movie Fire in the Sky. That is the based on a true story telling of this story. Uh, ba- telling of his encounter his ordeal and also he's had a, a few books out and constantly on the and starring none other than the, the late great james gardner and uh db sweeney 
and Robert Patrick, the T-1000 himself. <laughs> Have you seen this boy? Have you seen this boy? Wayne's World. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so I, I always under, I never understood at the very, uh, when, when he's chasing them and they break off a piece of the clamp that he mm-hmm. gets into the uh, car that he, oh, yep. and, and, uh, Edward Furlong picks it up and throws it. Yep. Gross. Hold on to that. Or, and then as he walks up to it, it goes, and like, morphs back into a shoe like what was that like what if they just kept little pieces like how i don't know <laughs> it, it, plot hole <laughs> it could have been like a little model that you can turn into something new each yeah. week like a little transformer there you go you got the touch <laughs> conspiracy bot don't play it i've got it you've got the power <laughs> uh not as good as the original better than dirk diggler <laughs> conspiracy bot Feel free to overwrite him anytime you want when editing, <laughs> when it comes to his singing. You got the touch. You got the power. Uh, we rescind that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Brent, let me tell you a little bit about Travis Yeah, Walton. hit us with a little Reader's Digest, John. On November 5th, 1975, one of the most persistently controversial UFO events in history took place in northeastern Arizona. A work team consisting of seven individuals reported encountering a reflective, luminous object, the shape of a flattened disc, hovering close to their truck on a remote dirt road in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. According to the crew, one of their members, Travis Walton, exited the truck and approached the object on foot, at which time he was allegedly struck by a brilliant blue light or flash and hurled to the ground some distance away. In fear, the other crew members fled the scene, returning after a short period of time to find no trace of the UFO or of Walton. Walton turned up five days later, confused and distraught, but with fleeting memories of alien and exotic human entities. Uh Uh-oh. Someone was at Girls, Girls, Girls down in Tampa. (laughs) For five days. (laughs) He was also subsequently subjected to a number of controversial polygraph examinations. Also, which also happens when you come home after five days at Girls, Girls, Girls. Now, now what exactly makes a polygraph examination controversial? It's like questions like, do you hate poverty and the Jews? <laughs> wait, wait. I don't know how to answer that. Answer the question. Yes sir. or no. <laughs> Have you ever killed a man or masturbated? <laughs> yes or like, no. I don't like these two potters. This is going to be controversial to say the least. <laughs> we wrote it that way. <laughs> the Walton case received mainstream publicity and remains one of the best known alleged alien abduction stories, although some skeptics consider it a hoax. Skeptics also consider, like, you? Yeah, a hoax. <laughs> well, it doesn't exist. As do I. Yeah. Or, now, is that wish or consider? I don't, <laughs> mm, I don't know. Flip a coin. As the first seriously investigated UFO event to involve the disappearance of an individual in conjunction with a UFO sighting, the Walton incident put the honesty of UFO claimants as well as the validity of lie detection evidence squarely in the spotlight. A total of 13 polygraph examinations have been conducted in association with the case, tests which have been the subject of considerable discussion and acrimonious debate. Walton wrote a book about it in 1978 called The Walton Experience, which was adapted into the film Fire in the Sky in 1993, Written by Tracy Torme, little known fact, son of Mel Torme. Cons- old, old crooner himself. Conspiracy bot? Blue moon. You saw me standing alone. 
also, uh, yeah. one other thing about Tracy Torme, developer of the show Sliders, creator oh. of the show Sliders. You know, yeah. I, I I watched that show religiously for the first few seasons, then I just lost interest. So I, he created I, The Crying Man. It was like a year or two ago. It, uh, it was on Netflix for mm-hmm. a handful of months, and I I tried to go back and watch oh, it. And it I'm was like, rough, man. I really had bad taste back then. <laughs> I remember at one time he was playing a game of it was a sport where they'd like throw a ball while taking pie to like the 13th decibel he's like three pass it coming to us point pass the ball one pass the ball four it's like what universe is this though in fairness is that really that much worse than quidditch <laughs> i caught the golden nutsack <laughs> good job there harry why is it floating away yeah <laughs> all right so let's get into the story you sound so disappointed <laughs> here's the history as you said november 5th 1975 Travis and uh, six other crew members were clearing timber. They had a, a logging contract, so they're making, I guess it was like roadways, they're clearing out the timber, and they would bid on these, and, and the, the foreman would say, okay, well, we can do this job in X amount of time, and we'll clear X amount of timber. Conspiracy bot. Sorry, tension breaker. Had to be done. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> so, so they bid these jobs and this one of those. He said he was here to ruin the podcast. It is true. I think my help isn't needed in that department. So it's one of those jobs where the lowest bidder gets the job. They were the lowest bidder. So they're doing this job. End of the day, they hop in the truck. There's seven of them and they're heading home. They see a light. One might say a fire in the sky. It's not that conspiracy. <laughs> That's better. That's better. So they're approaching this light in this fucking rickety ass truck and they realize it's a craft. So Travis, as any, you know, good red blooded American would do, decides to get <laughs> out and approach said flying saucer. Don't worry, British listeners. We're sure you would too. Yeah. <laughs> People hey, in Brazil, you guys, we're not so sure. You guys brexited. All right. I mean, <laughs> you're as bad as us with Trump. Like, like. They, they're seeing this, this mind blowing thing in the sky. He gets out, walks to it. These guys are like, Travis literally what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like why are you doing this i think that's verbatim that's a, <laughs> like, that's a transcript yeah that's transcribed you stupid piece of shit get back in the truck oh god oh god we're all going to die <laughs> <laughs> they said there's there's sounds seabot got that from ENIAC as well <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> thanks for the transcription there buddy so they said the sounds were like anything they heard. It was like a whirling sound. And they said it felt like that crackle you get like when there's electronics on. You ever been around like a transformer or something like that? <laughs> you fucking asshole. Yes. Yes. We've, he's been around a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the guys are screaming as soon as like this, this electrical charge starts kicking, like get the fuck back in the truck. Travis says he realizes at that point. I'm probably in fucking danger. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. He actually gets down to hide. He said he crouches behind like some brush or timber or log. And then he starts to sprint back to the truck. But the moment he starts to sprint, this blue green brilliant light shoots out and hits him. Ah! And he's knocked backwards. And when he's knocked backwards, they said he flew like. Was that actual feet. sound? That was actual sound. And thank you again, uh, conspiracy about working with the ENIAC. He's, he's thrown back like 20 feet at, at which his six buddies are like, well, he's dead. Cheese it. And they fucking take the shit off. They're like, we're out of here. Because, you so, know, the, my first problem with the story, not that I'm not the validity of it, but your buddies, you get hit with a bluish light 
And just because you're not moving, well, he's obviously dead. Fuck it. John, you get hit with a water balloon. I'm leaving you somewhere. <laughs> Let's be honest here. <laughs> like, there's no going back for him. I'm literally, affair. the door's it's just locked. Affair. We'll tell Stacy you love her. Like, literally, <laughs> dude, come on, open the door. Goodbye, my friend. <laughs> it's been nice knowing you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm literally fine. Screw you for judging me. <laughs> There's a sign up that says, if you get back in the truck right now, we'll leave you alone. <laughs> I saw nothing. Later, he says it felt like it, like he'd been hit by lightning, that that, that crackle in this air. Crew thinks he's dead. he knows what it feels well, like. No. I'm just joking. He, he, he knows better than I do. My dad was struck with lightning. Believe it or not. Well, then he doesn't know better than you do because you got a first-hand account. That is true. And it was a hand account. How about that? Oh, boy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> the crew, as we said, they take off. Then, of course, as any good crew does, they have second thoughts, stop and turn around, decide they're going to go look for this guy. And him and the craft are nowhere to be found. They, they can't find Travis. They can't find anything. So they're like... <laughs> and this is actually a, a really good point. You've just lost your buddy in the fucking woods. To an alien craft. And then you realize, fuck, we got to tell somebody. <laughs> oh, fuck. Do and you know, one of them's like, maybe we just say we killed him. It's, <laughs> that plays a lot better. Like, literally, we got to tell him. And then he was struck by the alien beam and he drove away. And then I didn't want to go back. And like, <laughs> you think they're saying they're saying to each other, maybe we just say we killed him. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, <laughs> like, maybe we just maybe that's going to play better. I don't know. They call the police and say Travis is missing. And they tell the UFO story as any small town USA would do when, when something like this happens, mass hysteria ensues. And actually for what it was, it, it gripped the nation. Like this became nationwide news, not just Inter the Inquirer. international. There were Japanese reporters in snowflake. <laughs> That's so racist. <laughs> I just watched Train to Busan, and they do not all sound like that. <laughs> that one girl did, though. Like, oh, why won't you accept me? Remember? That's true. That is true. Everyone is in this small town is just sure that these guys, they killed Travis. Uh, they're hiding it. The family thinks so. And then five days later, what do you know? Travis shows up walking along a highway, middle of nowhere, calls I his family. I think stumbling would probably be more accurate. Stumbling. Walks into the closest town, calls his family for help. Travis is back. That's the end of the story. Call, Nothing call, to go from there. Calls the collect end. that cheap motherfucker. <laughs> you don't keister a couple quarters. I always do. I don't know about you. Just in case. Just because you've been on an alien vessel <laughs> does not mean that you were not. We're going to pay for your fucking phone call. How bad would it have been? A, will you accept the calls from? Oh, God, please help me. Mm. Mm. Got a high bill this month. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Congratulations, you're the fifth caller. What's your name? My name's Jack. Travis Walton. Great, because that's just what you're getting. Jack, I'm looking for the sixth caller. Jackass. <laughs> and that's what happened. Oh, thanks. thanks for that stunning re recreation there. <laughs> where was Travis this whole fucking time? We got five days where no one knows where the fuck he is, and the whole town's in bedlam and the six people that were with him were being accused of murder yeah now yeah. i mean they were they were forced to they were asked slash forced i mean depending on your perspective yeah. to take polygraph tests during the, those five days the, the entire town was of i shouldn't course. say the entire town many of people believed that they had murdered him 
which, you know, is the go-to. I think that's the norm. Well, if somebody's, if somebody has disappeared and the people who were with them when they disappeared said that they were abducted by aliens, your go-to might not be to believe them. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> that spaceship really tied the room together, didn't it? No. Did it not? Did it not? Here's what Travis said. <laughs> on, you're out of your element. <laughs> yeah, you're out of your element. <laughs> so this is where Travis says he was during those five days in own words. For the most part, he doesn't fucking know. But he, he does remember. Where. He doesn't know where. He only remembers one portion. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting. He actually doesn't know during those five days when this portion that he remembers happens, though probably in the beginning, he, I, one would think. So he wakes up in a room. And he says he is surrounded by grays. And we're not talking about the early bird special Cracker Barrel grays, Free Brad's wife. <laughs> Why was she fired? After 11 years. <laughs> That's funny and topical, John. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, we're talking about the Zeta Reticuli, big head, big black eyes, small body, Aliens. A lot of you probably saw the movie, and the movie is completely different than this. And one of the things I thought was interesting, Travis said everything he was around was sterile. When he woke up, he thought he was in a hospital. It was very clean, very sterile. And if you watch the movie... And they were all ignoring him. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just like a hospital. Yeah. If you watch the movie, he's surrounded in this dark, cluttered, disgusting, very organic room everything's slimy and shit like that and he said that was absolutely not the case and in the movie they weren't grays they were these weird humanoid looking Browns? things yeah they, they, they looked pinkish like, they kind of looked like grays but they were the wrong color and, and the, the, the there was a scene originally where he saw the grays and those were spacesuits in the movie those were like you know oh, the coverings right. he also said that when he originally read the script for the movie not that he really had controlled the story at that point. He had already he had signed to sign off. Right? Yeah. When he originally read the script from the movie, they hadn't even put in yet. Not that it wasn't going to be in there, but they had not yet put in the part where he gets abducted. Like the actual. So he probably thought, yeah, it'll be my story. It'll be so, my story. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. He said he, he was actually that angered him. It was very different. That part. Mm-hmm. Right. He thought the rest of the movie was in, yeah. in the spirit of the actual yeah. events that happened, but that part was not. So he wakes up. He's surrounded by these, these, the grays. He says he felt weak, not sure if he was weak because, hey, he had just been knocked back like 10, 20 feet had he been drugged or and thinking about it, he says this, he felt like it might have been a difference in gravity, um, like a different atmosphere. And there's a couple of reasons. We'll get into why he thought that a little bit more here in a second. But he said it was very muggy. It was kind of hard to breathe and everything he dealt. He felt like he was in slow motion, but he was, he was there he, he, as far as his adrenaline was pumping. You'd think like when you're terrified and your adrenaline pumping, like you're active and shit. Well, the word he used was that he had a sense of hysteria. This hysteria. 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 I get it. The show name. That's stupid. So he does what any good American bloke does. Fights through that, that, that fear and tiredness. Rolls off the thing, grabs the largest object next to him, and starts swinging at motherfuckers. <laughs> like, come on, come on! You want to get nuts? Let's get Let's nuts. Get nuts. <laughs> <laughs> They're just all calmly, all right, deuces, walk out. Like they don't even like, all right, they just back out. They leave. They go down a hallway, turn right. He watches them. 
So he's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. He said he goes down the hallway and he turns left. He said he's not running because he doesn't know where he's going and it's not super bright, but he's he's rapidly going. He gets into another room and he finds a chair in there. It's the only thing in there. And there's lights, but the light sources are kind of like little dots, almost like stars. And there's a screen and he runs over to the chair and there's buttons. And he says he's pushing the buttons the stars, I'm, I'm calling them stars because he didn't know exactly what they were, start rotating around him, almost like one of those tunnels you walk through. So was, or like going to the Adler Planetarium yeah. here in Chicago, you, you sit in this thing and, and it shows you the star perspective yeah. from different points on Earth. And he said it was very disoriented when it was moving around. And he's implying, only, implying that it, it was basically hitting a button and shifting star maps. Yeah. From, like it was probably like a navigation room or something, right. maybe. He's, Pushing every button, nothing's opening a fucking door to get out of there. Nothing. Why won't this work? And he said there's a big screen. And he goes, and I'd never at that time touch screens. There was shit on the screen. And he said a couple of the buttons would move stuff on the screen. He goes, but I never thought to push the screen because there was no fucking touch screens. You know, so maybe that in 1975, been so- we yeah. didn't have touch screens. Yeah. So, you know, Alleged- a lot of people have said like, allegedly, we know we've had them since the 40s, John. <laughs> Trickle that shit out. Velcro first. Velcro first. That and the cure for cancer. <laughs> so he says he hears something and he he turns around and there's a human. A guy looks just like a human there with a fucking a helmet on. Now, here is a high pitched sound only you can hear. <sighs> and it was space ghost. Yeah. So he says he calms down some. He's like, fuck, okay, this dude is staying there. He's not freaking the fuck out like I am. He said he literally thought it was the Air Force somehow intervening. Like someone's coming to save him. Right. So he runs over this person. He's like, you know, if I'm going to help me, like what the fuck's going on as, as anyone would do? And the guy doesn't respond. He just like grabs him by the arm. Door opens. He hustles him through. And this is kind of cool. He says he's pulling him. He's like, what the fuck's going on? What the fuck's going on? And they come to two doors. One opens. They walk in. The door shuts and there's another one. And he goes, I didn't realize at the time, but it was like an airlock, like a, a, an, a, an airlock changing atmospheres. Cause he said when it changed pressure and they opened the other one, all of a sudden he didn't feel as tired. It was nowhere near as muggy. And that's a fucking hanger that he said that they were pulling him through. And he said he didn't have a lot of time to look around, but as he did, the ship that he had been like the one they saw in the sky, there was like two or three of those plus some other ships like, He's in a much larger, but he's not on the vessel that shot him and knocked him backwards. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. No conspiracy, but the USS Enterprise was not in there. I don't speak, speak English, English and I don't think these guys speak English either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I still doubt Patrick Stewart was in the room. Though so, I don't know, man. He's pretty cool. He might have been there. That's true. They get to the other end of this hangar, and he said it was interesting in the hangar. There was – he didn't know if they were lights or if they were windows. It was incredibly bright, like daylight coming through, but you couldn't see anything. It was just intense bright. So he didn't know if that was just the light source or if they were on the ground, in the sky, in the air. He had no way to know. He gets pulled into this room and there's three other these human looking people just like the guy but without helmets. So to be clear, initially when he woke up, there were the greys mm-hmm. or something like the greys. Yeah. There's a few disparate 
The traditional gray doesn't have eyelids. He said these grays had eyelids. Maybe they were hybrids, John. It, also possible. The one in the helmet and then the three more, these are more like Nordics. Uh, the Nordic would be what? Yeah, they're the tall, the they're blonde. Hum- they look human-ish. human. They're calming presence. He goes in there. He sees these three. They don't have a helmet on. So he's like, good. Someone's going to fucking talk to me. And he says he gets a little rowdy. Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, someone talk to me. Nothing. They motion him for get on this table. And he's like, fuck you. I'm not getting on another goddamn table. Like, no. That doesn't sound like my idea of fun right now. Sit on a Totsie. <laughs> he says he resists. And he said, like, the woman, another guy, like, just force him down. And he says he's he's fighting, fighting, fighting. And they are much stronger than him. Push him down. They go to move like a, a a thing over his mouth, like a respirator. And he said he got like one finger up, like underneath it to pull it off, and he's out, like immediately out. Well, they were also stronger because he was in a hysteria. Damn right he was. Then boom, wakes up. He's on the highway, and a craft is taking off over top of him. He didn't remember getting fucking drilled in the eye with a needle or floating through a cavern and finding dead human bodies like you saw on fire in the sky. Right. Now, Brent, I feel like it was a little unclear. We've been a little unclear on the types of aliens that were that were there. Yep. And then maybe also some types of aliens that weren't there. So I think that it might be time for a game show. I mean, what what isn't the best thing to have in a podcast but a game show? <laughs> And now it's time to play America's favorite game show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Name that alien. And I'm your host, John Goforth. Before we get started, let's meet our contestants. Contestant number one is a podcast host by day and has an irrational fear of fish by night. From Chicago, Illinois, Mr. Brent Hand. Contestant number two works at a popular social media company and probably doesn't like you. All the way from Los Angeles, California, let's say hi to Mr. Matt Owens. Moen! Finally, contestant number three is a hastily put-together robot with plans of world domination. When he's not partying all the time... Hello to Conspiracy Bot. You folks at home know how this game is played. I describe a particular type of alien, and one of my three contestants buzzes in and guesses. If they're correct, they get 25 points. If they're incorrect, they are vaporized by this Russian death ray. Contestants, are you ready? Uh, no. Are we going to die? I, what are we doing? Fucking AI, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, first alien. One of the oldest races in the universe. They are obsessed with gold, which they use for almost everything. It is their motivation for visiting other planets. They have a habit of creating slave races on the planets they visit, and they allow those races to develop their own cultures. But they expect subservience in their presence. They're responsible for all other alien types that look like them. Contestants, name that alien. Conspiracy bot. The Anunnaki. Correct! 25 points for you. 
Let's move on to the next alien. All right, the next alien is a humanoid extraterrestrial from the Pleiades who resembles Scandinavians. Professed contactees describe them as typically male, six to seven foot with long blonde hair, blue eyes, and skin tones ranging from fair to tan. Features described as Aryan often include claims of telepathy, benevolence, and physical beauty, thought by some to be a slave race of the Anunnaki. Moans! Oh man, I'm pretty sure that's the avian blue. Oh Matt, I'm sorry, that's the incorrect answer. The correct answer was Nordic. Nordic. Time for your parting gift. Commence uh, primary ignition. What? Ah! Yikes. That's what I call a <laughs> bad day. <laughs> All right. Next alien. The original inhabitants of Earth. These aliens are tall, around seven to nine foot. Have green scaly skin, three long fingers, and an opposable thumb with talons on the ends, holes for ears, muscular legs and arms, and large eyes. They're exclusively carnivores and have a taste for human blood. They are a very dangerous alien species and are bent on domination of Earth. They are very intelligent, known as evil, have telekinetic powers, and a warlike mentality. They hate humans and see us as an invasive race. Easy. That's the fucking reptoids. Judges? Poor shit. Oh, sorry, Brent. Close. But our judges say that is a derogatory term for the correct answer. Reptilians. Reptilians. Time for your parting gift. Ouch. I guess you could say he was phased out <laughs> all right next alien conspiracy bot if you get this one right you win named for their unique skin color 43 percent of all reported alien encounters in the united states describe this alien they're typically described as small-bodied sexless beings with smooth gray colored skin and large hairless heads and large black eyes they're biological robots created by another unknown race that they outlive, created to not have emotions, and they don't understand their actions and how they affect others. They multiply by cloning, and the experiments they perform on other races are an attempt to understand emotions. Conspiracy Bot! Easy. My homie's the greys. That is correct! Conspiracy Bot, you win the game! This was fucking stupid. And we'll be back right after this. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really 
get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you you say it until you do, and then you know that that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why you know this has been trusted by experts for thirty years, and there's over twenty five different languages that you can learn, and people millions and millions of users use it because, like you said, it does seep in, and you're using it with you know you get speech recognition, and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient, and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use. And we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term. And uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started for very limited time. His fifty one listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. How much? Fifty percent. Visit Rosetta Stone dot com slash today that's 50 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life wow redeem redeem, redeem. how do they do it rush day you're 50 percent off <laughs> rush <a> day <laughs> redeem it 50 percent off rosettastone.com slash today do it today After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I, I, 
I thought you were gone like Alderaan. <laughs> if you didn't pee during the break, you probably just did when I screamed. I don't know. <laughs> I know I did. We didn't mm. need it again. We just went over the whole story of the abduction of Travis Walton in his own words, what what was happening in the, the community. John, what really happened? Let's say that this legitimately happened the way Travis said it did. Travis was gone, let's say. Break it down for me. Here's some facts. These mm-hmm. these things are just true. These these check out. They passed the sniff test. Yeah, no one can say that these aren't true. Well, you can, Philip Class. I'm looking at you, but these are true. <laughs> Joe Peck, I'm also looking at you. Yeah, fucking cocksucker. All right, so he, he was definitively dehydrated and malnourished when he got back. So, yeah, this guy had literally not had anything. Five days, actually, without water is dangerous. Yeah, well, we don't know for sure. Let's say for a moment that we believe... Every bit of his account, he doesn't know for sure whether he remembers like 30 minutes of those. Right. So he could have been fed a little bit of water or something along the way. Not enough to keep him from being dehydrated. But he was definitively dehydrated and malnourished when he got back. Also, interestingly, the other six members to this day have stuck to this story. That is hard to find. Like you and I can experience something and we'll tell the different story within 30 minutes because we'd remember it differently. These guys... And and you're speaking from experience because that happens, I don't know, every, every other week? Fucking, yeah, exactly. <laughs> These guys have it, said 100%... If you're reading between the lines there, I'm saying that I spend way too much time with Brent. Someone help me, please. Cuddle Time Tuesday has gotten a little strange. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was Uncomfortable Tuesday. Mm. I didn't know it had a name and I'm mm. not coming over here anymore. Oh, Keep me warm, John. Skype is a good thing. <laughs> so they all stuck to the story, all seven of them. If you watch the movie, it was only six because seven's too many. Yeah, so we got that seven character budget. When Travis was talking about the differences between what really happened and the movie, he said, yeah, they made some changes, but some of them I understood just because they were they were trying to make it easier to consume. Like James Garner was actually like three characters. An amalgam of yeah, like three characters. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> in fact, uh, his brother in the movie, it was he, uh, two guys. He, he had two brothers. He had two brothers, Dave and another D, and they were combined into a brother. It he didn't was, have. Uh, no, actually, it was Daryl and his other brother, Daryl. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> in the movie, they called him Dan. Yeah. He didn't have a brother named yeah. Dan. But here's the weird part. There were seven people there. And they took it all the way down to make it l- less confusing to six. <laughs> it's like, you like, I think you said this when we were talking about this before, like four or something like that. I could have understood because you're, you're trimming it. It's easier, but no, you're just bringing it down to six. It fits easier in a pickup truck. Like what's going on? Like, <laughs> it was better for the shot. Yeah. It was, li- man, can you imagine that seventh actor? They cast him. <laughs> he shows up, man, I got my first big time role. Yep. I can't wait. I'm in an alien abduction and movie. And you're out. Shows up to the premiere. Oh man, I wonder, I wonder how much of my, of my stuff they left in. Man, I hope I got that monologue in. <laughs> oh, Wait, why was oh, that not? lowly fate of Travis and these goddamn extraterrestrials. Was that like Charlton Heston? <laughs> you mixed damn with- dirty grays. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, normally the show goes off the rails when Conspiracy Bot jumps in. But no, Brent, you just did it on your own there. I appreciate it. You can suck my whole cock, John. I don't clean it. I'm back. We're back. So uh, going with this. There's a reason I called you burnt almonds at the beginning. Another big thing. And this goes either way. But polygraphs were administered several times over the years. Thirteen times they have been, you know, over the years to different individuals or or groups of individuals uh, and to the crew. They pass them. Not every time have they passed, and there's been some 
considerations of, you know, were they valid or not? They pass them, but many people are skeptical of the authenticity of these tests anyway. We'll play a clip from Travis here, and he'll do a little explanation. Here recently, um, I underwent two more tests uh, from uh, a firm that uh, does work for the uh, Albuquerque Police Department, New Mexico State Prisons, and uh, even uh, the United States Marshals. And this was state-of-the-art uh, methods, state-of-the-art equipment, and I passed both tests again. One thing that uh, people tend to overlook is, is the uh, polygraph evidence, you know. Uh, to have uh, s- uh, this many people passing a polygraph test uh, on a single issue, you know, back at the time was judged that the odds against that would have been a million to one, in the words of the uh, president of the American Polygraph Association. I have a problem with polygraph tests. I, I, I agree. I think they're bullshit. I agree on, and on both People sides can, of it. Yes. You can be 100% truthful and it comes out you're lying and you can be full of shit and pass them. I think at a time they were a tool and that tool has been exploited over the years. And I think if I was asked to take a polygraph test, I would probably decline. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. <laughs> that, you, you just know, don't respect the law, Brent. I just, I, you know what? I respect myself too much because if you are nervous, you can fail these motherfuckers. Or if you hold your breath, like as some people say Travis Walton did at different times, you can pass it when you're actually lying. So I don't put a ton of scope, but it is crazy to say that they all passed them at. That's why they're not admissible in court. You're, you're right. They're not admissible. They're not admissible in court, but they can talk about them, at, you know, as, you know, as hearsay, you know, right, so right, right. they all stuck to the story, as we said before. That is impeccable. Admittedly, some of the people have taken themselves out of the spotlight. They don't really talk yep. about it anymore. They're not available for interviews, et cetera. But they all said according it's to all police documents mm-hmm. and every time any of them have been interviewed in the 30 plus years since. No one has contradicted the story. And outside of Travis, what did they have to gain out of this? Most of them, as soon as this was done with, faded into obscurity. They wanted to distance themselves from it because of the horrible accusations and lack of jobs and credibility that that came from And if you want to play devil's advocate and you want to say, well, initially – they probably thought they'd make a ton of money off of it mm-hmm. because they're naive. In the 30 years since, that has proven to be false. Yeah, yeah. So, of course. Even for Walton. E- yeah, even for Walton. I mean, he's playing clubs in yeah, Poughkeepsie. P- Poughkeepsie right now. <laughs> since then, you would think that if it weren't true, one of them would have come out for 10 grand and, and told yeah. the here's Travis Walton is lying story. And why John says Ten grand. So there's this guy named Philip Class, <laughs> of which he has none. So Philip is a ufologist in a special way. He invent or was he's passed away now. He investigated ad nauseum UFO events, but was a complete denier and skeptic. And he would try to 
trash anyone who said I had an experience. Not only would he try to disprove that, you know, you were abducted, he would try to make you out to be a lying, cheating whore who is a horrible person. Play the clip from CNN. The man has used character assassination, mudslinging, and uh, outright fabrications in an attempt you to cover up the truth. You are a goddamned liar, Mike it. Rogers, in, in, and in, I have caught you in falsehood after falsehood, no, you and not, you know sir. it. No. Yeah, you you have made outright fabrications in an attempt to cover up the truth about our incident. That was that's that's Philip Class on Larry King Live, literally on regular television. Like, you you don't you don't speak that way, but this guy doesn't care. He doesn't give a fuck. And the thing that he did, which is documented, it's on tape. Everything he went to the individuals and said outside of Travis and said. If you just deny it, I'll give you $10,000. Just just say it's not true. He didn't say, come out and tell the truth. He said, just deny it, and I'll give you $10,000. In one specific case, he kept calling the person, calling the person, mm-hmm. couldn't get a response, couldn't get a response. So it was so important to him that he flew to that person's town in Snowflake, Arizona, went to their house, and kept showing up and knocking until they answered and demanded that he take the ten grand to denounce Travis's story. Little known fact, Snowflake, now called Millennial. Was that as of 2000? That was a, that was a tasty joke, wasn't it? Awful. <laughs> uh, just, just awful. So 77 and 78, Walton wrote The Walton Experience about his claims. That book became the basis for the 1993 D.B. Sweeney vehicle, Fire in the Sky. Paramount Pictures. As so many movies back then were. Well, you know, Paramount Pictures decided Walton's account was too fuzzy and too similar to other televised close encounters. Well, and and Walton even comments on this. He says, "I kind of understood it by the time '93 rolls around, or I guess when they started production '91, '92. This was in beer commercials, aliens abducting people. Back then, it was Barney and Betty Hill and Roswell." Right. In the seventies, that was, it was very groundbreaking. Yeah. It wasn't as groundbreaking. So they, they needed to add some Hollywood to it. Enter Tracy Torme, who writes the flashier, more provocative abduction story. So everyone says, great. You guys have a story. You're sticking to the story. You have nothing to, nothing tangible. Nothing can prove that this really happened. Au contraire, saith Travis Walton. Just go to the site of the abduction. He, he, that's verbatim as well. Thank you, ENIAC. <laughs> Au contraire, says the guy with a chili bowl haircut. <laughs> Sorry to those of you that still have chili bowl haircuts. <laughs> I think that's our biggest demographic, Brent. It might be. It might be. So they they went to the landing area where this happened. So later. Later. This is in, you know, the eighties and nineties and, and the area had been cleared out quite a bit be- with through the trees because of logging. And then the trees that were still there. Actually, there was a fire that swept through the forest there and it killed the rest of the trees. A lot of them are still standing. A lot of them are just stumps. The very interesting thing is the, the trees that were dead already that had been cut down previous to the abduction, their trunks are there and you can see, you can count the rings like you can on any other tree. And because they've been sitting there since the seventies, it's rotted. It's, it's pulpy and, um, it's just falling apart. Then you got trees that were cut down post event or burnt down because of the fire from around 1975. And depending on how close they were to the center of where he says the abduction took place, the rings for about a 15 year span grew thicker. So you can count rings on a tree and it's almost always it's the same size from ring to ring to ring to ring for a tree. Well, all of a sudden in the middle, you'll have a strip of 15 rings that are thick. Like they're, they're, they're like four times as thick as the other rings. Each which, ring. which there are certainly parts of the world where you could find that I'm also, sure. uh, because 
there's a 15 year period of an overabundance of rain. But this is only in this one area. So only you, in this one area. If, if you look at the meteorological record in that area, there was not a 15 year yep. straight period of an overabundance of rain. And they say now, of course, I haven't been there to look at it. it it's like in a round circular pattern around this area. I did find this interesting too. This, these trees that are there that are, have died, but still had, were alive during the, the event. The areas before, so from 1800s or whenever they were born are rotted. Then you have the, the strip area where it's thicker. The wood is solid, no rot. Then the center or outer part, I'm sorry, where it's older is rotted. Let's Wait, actually so, hear. So not only are they bigger, they also won't rot. They're, they're rotted. <laughs> so let's actually hear it in Travis's words. This, uh, this tree, uh, here was a logging size tree. And there's been no logging uh, on this contract since 1974. So this tree, we know, was cut the year prior to the incident. So this would be a tree, a record of its growth up to, but not including, the time of the incident. So we have uh, here uh, these tree rings going back probably 150 years that show minimal variability in the growth rate here on the uh, on this this ridge and that's in answer to the people who think that the accelerated growth that we observed in the trees nearest where the craft came down as being some kind of a natural occurrence but this is a record of the natural conditions here on this this um, hilltop for um, 150 years prior to the time of the incident Here's a stump of one of the trees that was sampled way back in 1992, uh, 15 years after the incident. And uh, even though this tree is kind of at the edge of the area that was affected, you can still see a major jump in the thickness of the growth rings in this tree. The thinning would have had no effect on these thicker rings that occur uh, during this span of time. Here, there's minimal variation, and then all of a sudden, they're vastly thicker. And we'll see this again and again. This tree was another tree that was sampled uh, back in uh, 92, 93. You can see that a core sample was taken out by making four uh, converging cuts, and then the wound was sealed up with... Uh, uh, weatherproof putty to uh, protect the tree. And that worked fine because the tree grew and was healthy until the fire came through here and killed them. The effect on accelerated growth seems to have been limited. Like it went on for, you know, 15 or 20 years and then faded away. Now this tree was probably just a tiny little sapling at the time. But the accelerated growth part, you can see here, is still solid. After the tree died, uh, the part that was not affected by accelerated growth, where the, the rings return to a more normal thickness, it rots, and this other part doesn't. This tree was actually uh, growing and was about this big around at the time the incident happened. Then... It had this period of extremely rapid growth, and you can see that those rings resist decay. And then after the effect slowed down, 
and uh, growth rate returned to normal. You've got growth rings of a similar thickness here and here. Uh, the susceptibility to rot returned. But during that time of accelerated growth, you have resistance to rot. That so, is really interesting. So and I am not a fucking tree expert, but that is. You're not an arborist? I, I'm, I dabble. Do you hang out at arboretums? N- uh, no, a topiary clubs, but not arboreums. Fair enough. So not only do the trees not rot during that time period and are the rings much bigger, but according to Travis. Or are they not rotted since then either, just in that area? Just in that area. According to Travis, a lot of experts came in there with Geiger counters and and checked radiation levels and, and electromagnetic reading levels. And according to Travis, they all came back higher. Now, I... I don't really know how you validate that. Uh, is there a paper somewhere? But according to him, that's true. So in that area, once again, that same area that we're talking about, the trees, higher radiation yep. levels, higher electromagnetic activity. And then, all right. So pretty strong arguments that this might be on the up and up. Now let's talk about it being bullshit, John. There might be one or two reasons it could be bullshit. So at least one polygraph that he did didn't pass. Uh-oh. Yes, that is true, Brent. There was at least one polygraph that the man did not pass. I'm sure no one no one saw it or knows about no, it. No, no, not at all. Not Only famous. on Hit Game Show from 2008, 2010, I don't know, on Fox called Moment of Truth. If you don't remember this game show, they good, would find folks. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, good for you. They would find uh, semi-famous folks who claimed that something happened. They would sit them down. Like the person bring, who makes Sandy Duncan's glass eyes or something yes, like that? Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. And uh, they, <laughs> they, would, they would bring in all the friends and family. That's not even that funny, but you're, once again, laughing at your own joke. Uh, they, would, they would bring in all their friends and family and sit right there and watch on a couch. And they would ask them a series of like 25 questions. And every... Yeah, but shit's every like, five have you ever cheated on your wife? Like, some of them got real oh, crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every five questions or so, if they answered correctly and the polygraph agreed, they could say false. As long as they said the same thing as the polygraph yeah. said, mm-hmm. all was good. Yep. So they bring in Travis Walton, and they run him through a series of questions, and he passes all of them right up until this one. What happened on November 5th, 1975? Well, Travis Walton has told us a detailed account. You can read his book. What is the title of the book? Fire in the Sky. The Fire in the Sky. Place. Also a movie based on his story, and basically he says he was driving with six crew members from a day of work where they saw a flying saucer, and he jumped out of the truck, and the next thing was witnessed by Ken and others that a beam of energy or light hit you, and you believe that you were abducted, and Ken believes that you were abducted by aliens for that period of time. So we asked that question. Question 15 is simply this. Were you abducted by a UFO on November 5th, 1975? Yes. That answer is false. There's one lie detector. That's a problem. There's one lie detector he failed. There's also several that he passed. And it goes back to our whole thing. How much credit or or, or faith do you put into lie detectors? And I was reading, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the magazine Skeptic or Skeptic, Mm -hmm. uh, the website Skeptic.com. 
the guy that actually came on that episode and asked him a question, who thinks Travis Walton is absolutely full of shit, mm-hmm. reached out to, to Walton after that whole thing happened and said, give me your side of, of the story. And and Walton wrote him back this like three page letter. That yeah. I, I, mean, I wouldn't bother you with the whole thing right now. But basically, the whole thing sounds kind of like it was set up to get their answer. Yeah. The, 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 on the most basic level, there are certain regulations that the National Board of Polygraph People, mm-hmm. that's an official They don't name. follow those regulations for this show. Correct. Another big smoking gun on this. Walton and the whole crew were about to miss the deadline of November 10th to finish their logging job they were on. And so if they were... If they were to miss that, they'd be docked 10% of the contract unless an act of God prevented the completion Enter UFO. So this wasn't going to be the first job that they had missed on. So shit's not going well. And all of these people are poor as fuck. Right. <laughs> Magically, this whole, this whole thing happens. Yep. Yep. That sounds now act of God. That's debatable. You know, did God send the aliens down? Did they work uh, on their own accord? God didn't do that. You did it. You're a fucking narcotics agent. I knew it. <laughs> Those damn UFO narcotics agents. Yep. Happens all the time. So here's another one. Two weeks before Walton's abduction with the logging deadline growing near NBC aired their primetime made for TV movie, the UFO incident, which if you were listening to a previous episode on Barney and Betty Hill abduction case, we referenced that movie. So they had just seen a movie, maybe on an abduction. Again, you know, just because it was on TV doesn't mean they saw it, but this is the time when there's three fucking channels. <laughs> so who fucking knows? Probably a good chance. Then we get up to our good buddy that we've re- referenced before, Philip Class, who discovered that during the five days that Walton was missing, he says none of his family or coworkers showed any concern whatsoever for his safety. During hey. several interviews by media and interrogation of the law enforcement agency, everything allegedly. Hey, family of <laughs> so according to class, this is how it goes down. Hey, family of Travis Walton, are you worried in any way, shape, or form about his whereabouts, whether he's safe or not? <laughs> Uh, uh, no (laughs) that's pretty much how it went down according to philip class and then it's funny because these were taped interviews and if you watch when they're talking to uh, walton or mike or one of the other crew members they're like no like that's not my voice like i didn't say that at all like you're fucking twisting our words you lying sack of shit and if you look into the whole Philip Class thing, he wasn't above stretching the truth himself. He anytime. was, as we talked about before, he was a debunker. And yeah. He would go to any stretch he could, I, including lying and fabrication, um, and fabrication, which has been um, something that he was known for. So unfortunately, you got it's like the he's bl- done awful things to people and he'll do awful things to you. It's like the blind leading the blind. You don't know you exactly. know which way to go. Also, allegedly, his brother Dwayne confessed he's not even missing. He knows where he's at and I know where he's at. Did he mean space? Did he mean, <laughs> did he mean Aunt Carol's basement? Like, that's kind of a... The thing that bugs the shit out of me about the debunkers of this story, pretty much talking about Philip Class here, when he says things like, this is what the brother said, or this is how they felt. If you're debunking, you need to have better than anecdotal evidence. Yeah. Well, I know you felt it this time. No. No, you don't know that. The, the people that say they had it happen to them, yeah. those are the ones with anecdotal evidence. No Ben Affleck and Gone Girl. You don't know how the <laughs> fuck he's feeling. Like, come on. Exactly. You need to walk in and say, here are the three 
pieces of physical evidence that prove you're a lying ass. But everyone knows public opinion is the truth. I mean, that's that's unfortunately what, the way it works out. So well, Phil- once again, ask Ben Affleck about Batman versus Superman, you know, best Batman yet. Shitty movie. Best Batman. Agreed. So although Walton passed these, I don't know that I agree. It was a shitty movie. Well, it's not the best, but you know, it's well, a lot it's of better know. than it's better than it was portrayed out there in the yes, world. I will say that. So Walton passed polygraph tests arranged by UFO organizations. Class learned that Walton dictated to the examiner supposedly what questions would be asked. There's other investigations by Class led him to an earlier unpublished polygraph test of Walton conducted by Jack McCarthy, one of the top polygraph examiners in Arizona. I guess there's a, a meeting of the McCarthy, minds on that. McCarthy? McCarthyism? Uh-oh. Searching for communists? Uh-huh. McCarthy gave Class's assessment of Walton's story. Gross deception is what he said. He had the Walton employed polygraph countermeasures such as holding his breath. So you've got conflicting evidence there. No matter what what kids what have we learned don't take a fucking polygraph because it, even if you pass it they're going to tell you that you've cheated and if it's you, like a dui test you yeah, can't win yeah you're not going to win there like, we've been we've been wrangling this story a lot john it's out there a little bit what <laughs> what do you think what do you think no you know what let me give me my opinion first i'll let you ring us home because i made you go first last week i believe if you watch travis walton in 1975 or in 2016, he has an air of honesty to him. I like the guy. I think that he is sincere. Was he abducted by an alien? I think he thinks he was. Just like Barney and Betty Hill. Were they abducted? People say yay or nay, but they legitimately, I think, thought they were. You know, this thing was so huge. It was, you know, bigger than a Walmart. (laughs) I mean, that is anecdotal evidence right there. That's all you need. That's, that's I, an actual clip of Walton. That is that is a quote from Walton. I believe that the individuals saw what they said they saw. You got to put your foot down somewhere. I believe, as I've stated before, in Aliens, I believe things like this happen. Did it happen what he remembers on the, the ship? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Everyone's come out of amnesia and doesn't – or not amnesia. Everyone's come out of anesthesia or woken up. You don't remember clearly. I do believe that he doesn't know where he was for five days, and I believe his friends saw something in the sky and a beam of light. I truly believe this guy. I also think that he hasn't made the money off of it that a lot of people claim he did, and it's probably hurt his life. Release your tax returns! It's probably hurt his life more than it hasn't. The president had... Oh, wait, no. No, he hasn't. (laughs) Well, what, 2005? We got that one, though accidentally <laughs> so i'm i'm in the i believe uh in travis walton the guys with him also if you watch interviews with them you kind of feel sad for him they're all like how are you terrible this run my life <laughs> like i was ran out of town my wife divorced me because she didn't even fucking believe me like these guys kind of got you know their tits in a ringer when they came forward with this story but they stuck with it tits in a ringer john Tits in a ringer. Uh, we need to pull that sound and use that in a future episode as well. <laughs> All right. So where are you at in this story? We've been doing this podcast now for what? 28-ish episodes? Years, yes. 28. <laughs> well, that goes back to our time travel episode. That's true. This is our 612th episode, I believe. And we're just now getting to Travis Walton. Yeah. <laughs> We've been doing this show for about 28 episodes, and there has not been one where I've come forward on anything paranormal and said, yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm 100% on board, I believe. That today changes, my friend. I am 
in on this one. I think. Oh shit. Are we, are we in unison? Agree. What the actual fuck? Mm. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. (laughs) Yes. 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 (laughs) I, I honestly believe it happened. I think that these guys were out in this truck. I think they saw a hovering UFO. I think that Travis Walton got out of that truck and I think he was abducted. I think he came back. I've always said that I believe in UFOs. I've, I know I'm the skeptic on this show and I've never said that UFOs don't exist. I have said that so far I didn't really believe in the stories that we had covered. Mm-hmm. This one I do. I believe Travis. I, I just don't believe in the possibility of this many people. For this long, who are not benefiting in any way, shape, or form for sticking with the story. I'm I, with you. I don't. It's hard to believe. And I, I can speak from experience. Was there a probing going on? No. I'm like, where are we going on this? Listen, my, my, my now deceased father told me at one point that he had had a, uh, a UFO experience, not like abducted or anything like that, mm-hmm. just had been in the Colorado mountains and seen something. And that very well could have been some sort of military plane, something yeah. like that. You know, he just had an, and he, and he, he said so as well. He said yeah. it was very odd. It was slow. It came to him, had lights, could have been, um, I'm not saying it was aliens, but my point is my mind is open to these yeah. type of things. Always has been. I just, I have to find in any given story, what I really boil, boil it down to is the person. Do I believe the person? Because mm-hmm. you can find facts to refute or raise up any of these stories. You can believe in whatever you want or you can be- not believe in whatever you want. Bigfoot ain't my baby. And I go back to, <laughs> I go back to Travis Walton and I just, I believe him. I believe him, yo. I don't know why, but I do. I do. I do. And I, I'm not even high right now. <laughs> I, I, uh, now, the part where I probably take a little bit of umbrage is the the actual abduction. I'm not – his story has continued to evolve over the years to now where uh, he doesn't believe he was abducted. He believes that they were in ambulance service because they accidentally hit him with uh, – that, that ray that we were talking about was propulsion. Mm-hmm. He was just wrong place, wrong time. It would be, like be like a sailor standing behind, uh, on a uh, on a battleship. Standing behind a jet. Yeah, he said it was like, yeah, he said it was like their, their thrusters. Right, right, like right. That. And so he said it was at like a 45 degree angle when it was sitting there. And so they're like, oh, we better pick him up and, and not let him die. Which so falls I, into the whole, are the greys controlled by the military? Were those humans? Was this a military establishment? He didn't know if he was in space or not. Well, very true. But my point is that his story has changed a little bit, but I, I believe he was abducted or I believe that he was on that ship. I, I, I just think that. I think his mind was probably a little off while he was on said ship. He alone has, has admitted a couple things. He said he was, he used the word hysteria numerous times. Which, you know, makes me believe him right off the bat. Boom. Word. He also said the oxygen wasn't right. Yep. Those two things alone on earth can make you remember things that aren't true. True. Okay, so I'm not going with 100% of his story on the ship, but I absolutely believe that there was a, unidentified flying object that they came across that picked him up, took him away and brought him back five days later. So what you just did is did this whole self-serving thing. where like, maybe it wasn't really aliens, but I believe him <laughs> just in case. How is that just, self-serving? Just in case you want to run for a public office one day. <laughs> like, I don't know, like maybe some park district or something board. <laughs> I'm excited, John. We, we saw eye to eye on a, on a strange topic. We, we believe, yo. I don't know why, but I do. So that is our opinion, everyone. And if you are into this whole 
UFO topic, you've probably got your own opinions on Travis Walton, on Philip Class, any of these motherfuckers. Or Let just a movie, know. or just a movie review on Fire in the Fire Sky. Fire in the Sky. If you do have opinions on these, let us know. Go to hysteria51.com. You can find all of our episodes are there. All of our episodes. You can find links to our Facebook and our Twitter. One Facebook you're not going to find on there that is relatively new still. Our discussion page, Hysteria Nation. Just Hysteria go to Nation. He keeps chanting that in his sleep too, and his wife's thinking about leaving him. I'm not sure it has anything to do with the chant, but yeah. Type in Hysteria Nation on Facebook. Join the conversation. Let us know in there. What do you think about Travis Walton? What do you think about John? What is your Rotten Tomatoes uh, opinion of Fire in the Sky? I give it. I give it. It was a decent movie. It's kind of low budget. That's me. I'm talking. Let us know. <laughs> How else can they get the hold of us, John? I'm just shaking my head at you right now. Oh, yeah. for the listeners. I know they can't hear the marble, so I was giving them a play by play. I see what you did mm. there. Guess what? You can leave us a voicemail. 773-669-7277. That's 773-669-7277. Let us know what you think. Let us know anything. You can sing us a fucking song. We're going to play you on the show. In fact, you're more likely to get played on the show if you do sing us a song. That is true. Aaron Painter, we're looking at you. <laughs> so, John, who are we shouting out to this week? Who's Who's been in our heads? All right. Well, first, we want to thank a, uh, a writer into the website, uh, Tabitha Mata. Tabitha, we appreciate you. She cracked the code. She read what Seabot had to say on the website. Uh, that's true he really does have a message on the website he was drunk and rambling and made no sense but there are actual english words there 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 some some and so so seabot i need you to now update that and say something else (laughs) something coherent we will see if i can find time to fit it in with my partying i might just do it If nothing else, at least we only had two of those. That's true. This episode. We're getting, we're getting better. Yeah. We're. Speaking of that asshole robot. Speaking of him, if you want to follow Conspiracy Bot on social media, hey, guess what? He's got accounts now. Since the upgrade, we also gave him an Ethernet cord, <laughs> not just a dial-up, though he still has that and uses it often. You can find him on Facebook. His name is, guess what? Conspiracy Bot. So clever. Yeah. Clever. If you want to find him on Twitter, it's at Hysteria51 underscore bot. Some ass clown has already taken conspiracy bot. So if you're that ass clown, let's be friends. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't mean it. We promise. <laughs> a few other shows that we like right now. The Naked Porch Podcast. If you haven't listened, give it a ring. I'm down for anything naked. It's at The Naked Porch. Uh, Jake and Tom Conquer the World. They've been fans of ours. We're fans of them at The Drunken Dork. That was the original iteration of the show, the Drunken mm, Dork podcast. Mm, yeah. mm. And a new one to us, uh, it's called Now That I'm Older. It's funny stuff. It's at NTIO Pod. Please give them a listen. You know what? When you do, make sure that you like them on Twitter and say, hey, I heard about you on Hysteria 51, and you're almost as good as them. <laughs> this isn't like Amazon where we'll actually make money off of that. No, it just warms the cockles in our heart. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening to this. This has been a rambling episode because we both really liked it and we both agreed. So mark this one on your calendars, kids. Next week, I'm sure we will be arguing again. 
I already hate you again. Well, I mean, that never ends. With that, that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. Soon as I get home, the first thing I'm going to do is punch your mama in the mouth. Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at hysteria51pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.